Boys and girls, good boys. You are listening live to Brandon's World here on this Friday, August 20th, 2021. And yes, you are listening to the official SummerSlam theme song right now. Up by the one of the week, RDB, because of course, it is SummerSlam weekend. It is indeed one of the biggest weekends in professional wrestling in the last decade. Not only do we have Friday Night Smackdown tonight, not only do we have the potential debut of CM Punk in all elite wrestling tonight, but tomorrow night, live from Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, we're going to have the largest professional wrestling crowd since the Royal Rumble in 2020, and we're going to have the second largest crowd in the history of SummerSlam. And for the first time since 1992, SummerSlam is going to be taking place in a stadium from a very hot, over 100 degrees, Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, I wish I was in Las Vegas. I am not in Las Vegas. I am still in my home here in Cleveland. But that does not mean we are going to have a lot of fun here on this podcast today. Because this podcast is dedicated strictly to breaking down the SummerSlam card. There are three mega matches on this card. Of course, the main event between Roman Reigns, the Tribal Chief, the head of the table, the current Universal Champion, versus the 16-time World Champion, John Cena. Then we have the SmackDown Women's Champion, Bianca Belair, taking on her challenger, Sasha Banks, in a WrestleMania rematch. And we have a dream match that is seven years in the making. A match that two years ago could only be played on the WWE 2K franchise. That being the Rated R Superstar Edge going one-on-one with Seth Rollins. Along with that, we have what I believe is the main event on the Raw side of the bracket. The team of Randy Orton and Riddle, better known now as RKA Bro, trying to take the Raw Tag Team Championships away from AJ Styles and almost. And we also have Nikki A.S.H., almost a superhero, defending her Raw Women's Championship in a triple threat match with Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley and the almighty WWE Champion Bobby Lashley defending his WWE Championship against Goldberg. So there are 10 matches on this year's SummerSlam card. And of course, throughout this show, we will also be reminiscing, I'm sure, about some old SummerSlam moments. But this SummerSlam card is a big card. I almost think it's too big. I would take off two matches off this card. And I'm going to get to which two matches I would take off in a minute once we break them down. But I'm going to be going in the order that I think... The match card will go. Not necessarily, you know, we're going to start with Reigns and Cena and work our way down. No, we're going to end with Reigns and Cena. And to me, the way the show should start off is the way night one of WrestleMania ended. SummerSlam is a huge, huge, huge main event. As I mentioned before, SummerSlam is going to be the largest wrestling crowd since the Royal Rumble in 2020. 
This year's SummerSlam is arguably bigger than WrestleMania, not only because it's just one night, but because there's a big crowd. It's in Las Vegas. We are all gathered to see the huge main event between Roman Reigns and John Cena. But really, the second main event of the show needs to come on first. And I think it would be a perfect storyline to do Belair Banks 2, the two women that ended night one of WrestleMania, kick off SummerSlam with a banger. Now, Sasha Banks has played the heel great since she's returned on the July 30th episode of Friday Night SmackDown. Sasha Banks obviously wants her championship back after losing to Belair at WrestleMania. But I don't think Bianca's title reign is done. I think these two feuding are done. I think Sasha Banks is about to lead the SmackDown Women's Championship picture so Bianca Belair can go on a feud with Zelina Vega. I think Belair will hit Banks with a KOD after a fantastic match with some false finishes where Banks has the Banks statement in and it looks like Belair is about to tap. I think they use Belair's hair to a great advantage here. And I think these women knock it out of the park. A beautiful, fantastic WrestleMania-like encounter Belair will again hit the KOD, and Bianca Belair will walk out of Las Vegas, still your SmackDown Women's Champion. Now, the next match on the card, I can't even believe I'm talking about this, but we're going to talk about one Drew McIntyre versus Jinder Mahal. And the reason why I say this is because last year, Drew McIntyre entered the SummerSlam in the WWE Thunderdome. It was the second uh, Thunderdome show, and it was SummerSlam last year. Drew McIntyre defended his WWE Championship against Randy Orton, a man that carried WWE through the early stage of the pandemic in the Performance Center era, a man who, in my opinion, never got a proper WWE Championship reign with fans because of the times that we are in, a man who got the first entrance back with fans at WrestleMania 37 when he opened the show in a WWE Championship match against Bobby Lashley, is now wrestling Jinder Mahal in a meaningless match that I honestly, truth to God, wish was a sword match because this feud is based off a sword that Jinder Mahal stole, a sword that is named after Drew McIntyre's late mother, Angela. Uh, and Jinder Mahal will not have... Uh, Shanky and Veer, his associates with him at ringside, due to McIntyre beating them in a handicap match to ban them from ringside this past week on Raw. And Jinder Mahal is going to get his ass kicked. This is a lot like Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler in 2019, where it was just a random match placed on the card, usually after a big first match, usually the second match, a little bit of a cool-down match, and it would be nice for Drew McIntyre to just kick the hell out of Jinder Mahal, and we get it over with. So I'm predicting McIntyre sends Jinder Mahal back to catering with a Claymore kick, and we move on. And what we're going to move on to is a match that I believe should just be on the pre-show. And that is Alexa Bliss versus Eva Marie. Now, when WWE released Bray Wyatt on July 31st, I thought they may get rid of Alexa Bliss's fiendish-like character. Um, it doesn't work, in my opinion, without The Fiend. The character was based off The Fiend. It was made because of The Fiend. And now that The Fiend's not there, it really feels forced. 
destroying one with Eva Marie is just dumb. I miss Goddess Amongst the Boys. Goddess Amongst the Boys was one of the best characters in wrestling. Besides Charlotte, I miss Amongst the Boys as the Raw or SmackDown Woman Champion. I miss her in Meaningful Feuds. I miss her wrestling style. I miss everything about the Goddess Amongst the Boys. It needs a return. I'm almost over this fiendish-like character. Unless somehow the fiend comes back. When his non-compete clause ends in October is what I'm really hoping for. Uh, but I doubt it happens. I think Eva Marie is about to get destroyed. There's going to be some shenanigans going on with Alexa Bliss's doll, Willie. I'm not here for it again. Let's get it out of the way. So every you get two pretty, you know, calm down matches after that dominating opening match between Belair and Banks. We're moving on to the fourth match of the evening. And that is between Ark A. Bro and Styles and Almost. Now, I do believe, as I already mentioned, this is the main event on the Raw side of the bracket. It's not Goldberg and Bobby Lashley. It's not Nikki Ash, Charlotte Flair, and Rhea Ripley. This is the match that I believe should be the quote-unquote main event on the Raw side. This match has had the most TV time. It's had the most entertaining storylines. And listen, Riddle, when Riddle first came up to the main roster... I did not think any of anything of Riddle. I thought he was a good wrestler, but I thought he was a little bit cocky. I didn't think that he would really get to where he is today. But Riddle, even without Randy Orton, has carried Raw post-WrestleMania. Let's be honest. Bobby Lashley's WWE Championship has, reign has been rather boring. The Nikki Ash thing isn't working for me. Riddle is the most entertaining thing on the whole brand besides maybe Reginald in the 24-7 Championship right now. Yes, that shows how bad the state of Raw is, but that's just the truth. And so, this is the match that I really feel like they've done some long-term story building here. I feel like this match has been built since the day AJ Styles and almost won the Raw Tag Team Championships at WrestleMania from the New Day, Kofi Kingston, and Xavier Woods, who, by the way, just returned from Raw uh, this past Monday, and the New Day is not on this SummerSlam card. It looks really weird without them being on the card this year, when, of course, two years ago, Kofi Kingston was defending the WWE Championship against Randy Orton. But this has been really, you know, a different storyline for Randy Orton. You know, Randy Orton's been in, you know, a lot of big SummerSlam matches. Of course, his 2007 and 2009 matches against John Cena. Uh, who could forget him cashing in Money in the Bank in 2013 against Daniel Bryan. The 2016 fair against Brock Lesnar. I could even go back to 2014 against Roman Reigns. You know, I, I already mentioned 2019 against Kofi Kingston for the WWE title. Last year against Drew McIntyre. So, Randy Orton has not had a lot of success, per se, at SummerSlam. But Randy Orton is obviously a main fixture. Of course, you look at AJ Styles' SummerSlam career. He had a match with Kevin Owens for the United States Championship. He beat John Cena one-on-one -on -one at SummerSlam. When it was hashtag beat up John Cena. Uh, he defended the WWE Championship against Samoa Joe. So... You know, AJ, and as a matter of fact, I'm trying to think, last year, I don't know if AJ was on the SummerSlam card last year, because you remember he was on SmackDown, it, it was right after the, the Intercontinental Championship Tournament, he was kind of feuding with Jeff Hardy a little bit, so AJ, now that he's back on Raw, and Amos, who is a 7'3 giant freaking nature, has 
really been, you know, a perfect compliment to AJ. I think AJ's in-ring career is kind of winding down here in the next couple years, so it's been really cool to see him in a tag team, and while he still has that natural ability, isn't getting pushed at the top of the card, and, you know, I think that's where Bobby Lashley's championship reign has suffered a little bit, is you have a lot of predominant stars in the tag team field on Raw. But when we get to this match, I mean, it makes perfect sense to finally put the championships on, on RK-Bro. I mean, the concern here for me is there wasn't really anybody for Styles and almost to face left. Who the hell is RK-Bro going to face, I guess? Um, that, that is my one concern, but Raw's roster desperately lacks, uh, besides the champions, pretty much, they have no challengers, uh, it's kind of been a theme on Raw, really, Sheamus has had no challengers, Styles and Amos really hasn't had any challengers, Bobby Lashley, until, you know, Kofi Kingston really didn't have any challengers, that's why he's facing Goldberg and SummerSlam, and, you know, Nikki Ash, Charlotte, and Rhea Ripley, whoever they, whoever wants out of that match is the Raw Women's Champion, really doesn't have any challengers. So, you know, I think this is going to be a really good moment. Randy Orton and Riddle both have great chemistry with AJ Styles. They have went one-on-one -on -one with him multiple times in the past year. I already mentioned how almost a 7-foot free giant freak in nature plays with Styles perfectly as his bodyguard. I think Amos is going to be a star one day, a single star, whether it's on Raw or SmackDown. I see him as a future Universal or WWE Champion. But for right now, AJ and Amos, they've had their fun run. They've been together since November. So they've been together now almost nine months, and they've been terrific. But it's time for RK Bro to finally capitalize on their momentum and walk out of Vegas as the Raw Tag Team Champions. Now, to end the first half of the show, we have to do the dream match. Seven years in the making. My favorite wrestler of all time, the Rated R Superstar Edge, going one-on-one -on -one with Seth Rollins. And this rivalry really started before Money in the Bank, when Seth Rollins thought that Edge jumped in line to face Roman Reigns at Money in the Bank, so Seth Rollins cost Edge the Universe Championship. That bastard. But... WWE has done a really good job at playing the history of these men. Of course, seven years ago, Seth Rollins having his foot on the back of Edge's neck, trying to curb stomp him when Edge was trying to help John Cena bring back the authority. But Seth Rollins didn't pull the trigger, and now he's regretting it. Edge eliminated him from not only the 2020, but also the 2021 Royal Rumbles. And Edge and Seth Rollins have really had similar careers. They both were in dominant tag teams. They both have won every championship you can win in WWE. They both have won Royal Rumbles. They both have won Money in the Bank and cashed them in successfully. But as Seth Rollins has pointed out, he cashed in Money in the Bank at WrestleMania. He actually won the championship opportunity that he got at the Royal Rumble. Edge has never capitalized and won the championship after he won the Royal Rumble. Seth Rollins' affection with the Shield was a lot better than, than Edge's, you know, tag team with Christian. And his faction way back in the late 90s. So, that's really where the storyline is based off of is, you know, both these guys have done similar tactics. They both have cheated to win wrestling matches. You know, but Edge, who has called Seth Rollins, Edge White, is trying to show Rollins that, hey, what I did back in the day as a rated their superstar was wrong. 
and I'm going to teach you a lesson. And these two have so much history and edge as matches since he came back at the Royal Rumble in 2020 have all been fantastic. He hasn't had a bad match. Seth Rollins has never had a bad match. So, in my opinion, as I've been saying, on my Twitter timeline, which, by the way, follow me on Twitter, at Brandon Lewis underscore 7, these two are going to seal the show, I believe. I think at the end of the night, besides Reigns and Cena, this will be the match of the night. You better call the Las Vegas Police Department because I believe these two men, Edge and Seth Rollins, will steal the show. Both of these men have had a lot of history at SummerSlam. Of course, two years ago, Seth Rollins swaying the beast. Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. Edge has not competed in a SummerSlam match since 2010. And he has not gone one-on-one -on -one at SummerSlam since he went with The Undertaker in 2008 inside Hell in a Cell. And if you want to go one-on-one -on -one traditional match, that would be 2006 against John Cena in Boston. When, of course, Edge beat Cena in Cena's hometown in West Newbury. So, these two... SummerSlam is a big moment for Seth Rollins. He's had a lot of success. Of course, he beat John Cena in 2015. Both of these men, very similar career paths. And we are about to see one heck of a show tomorrow night. The next match on the card, I have Nikki A.S.H. defending a Raw Women's Championship against Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. And this storyline to me makes absolutely no sense in the world. When Nikki A.S.H. became a character, when she won Money in the Bank, we should all have seen this coming. When she interjected herself, when Charlotte and Rhea Ripley were fighting at Hell in a Cell, and this is how we get to the triple threat match and all of that, but... Man, this is tough, because Nikki A.S.H. doesn't really have any challengers. She really doesn't have great in-ring work. I don't think Rhea Ripley has that great charisma. I didn't think her Raw Women's Championship ring was anything entertaining. At least she got the championship belt off Asuka. That may have been the worst Raw Women's Championship run of all time. But Charlotte, to me, is the clear winner of this match. I mean, I guess Nikki Ash could win, but I'm going to say that Charlotte Flair makes Nikki Ash tap out. Because this almost a superhero thing makes no sense. When Nikki became the Raw Woman Champion, I thought that meant that she is a superhero. She overcame her odds. But apparently the character is all about superheroes aren't real. But if you try your best, you might win sometimes and you might lose. Which I just don't get the feeling for. Now, Charlotte Flair is the biggest star in the Raw Woman's division. And Raw needs some firepower in that division. They need some legitimacy brought back to the championship that hasn't been there since Becky Lynch was the champion before she got pregnant last May. So the Raw Women's Championship has felt like an afterthought for 15 months. And maybe Charlotte Flair brings some prestige back to the championship. And Charlotte isn't the best woman's rusher of all time. She doesn't get over uh, like many people think she is. Many people think she's the ghost. She's this entertaining and all that. I don't think Charlotte Flair is that great. I think she's really good. I don't think she's great. I think her promos are the best thing about her. I don't think her, her in-ring work is necessarily spectacular. But when you have Rhea Ripley pinning Nikki Cross, um, or excuse me, N Nikki A.S.H. in a singles match this past week on Raw, and then have Ripley and A.S.H. team up against Flair and Nia Jax in the same night, and Charlotte Flair pins you know, Ripley Queen in the middle of the ring with natural selection. It makes me think that Charlotte Flair is the clear winner of this match. We'll see. 
at the start of the SummerSlam build, I thought this was going to be a higher match on the card. You know, I thought it was presented bigger than Lashley and Goldberg at some points, and even RK Bro and Styles and almost. But clearly, I think Raw noticed that and kind of shifted their direction and wanted to give Lashley and Goldberg a little bit of a stronger build. So this match has kind of went a little bit down the card. I mean, I think it's going to be a good match, but I don't think it's going to be great. And like I said, hopefully Charlotte Flair takes the Raw Women's Championship. Now, the Mysterios and Usos are up next. I think that's pretty easy. I think the Usos are going to retain the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. I think it's going to be a phenomenal match. Just like their Money in the Bank kickoff match was a phenomenal match. It was one of the best kickoff matches I think I've ever seen. I was surprised the Usos won it at Money in the Bank. I really was, but they used cheating tactics, and that's been kind of the playoff here uh, with this feud. They've been teasing a little bit of dissension between Ray and Dominic, and I really think that's the story of this match, where Ray and Dominic will get some false finishes, they'll be close, but hopefully Dominic gets distracted by something, and he takes the pin, and they tease a breakup between Dominic and Ray, which I always thought Dominic and Ray could have broke up, you know, before this, and they could have done the one-on-one -on -one match at WrestleMania, maybe that's where we lead to next year at WrestleMania 38, maybe this is Ray Mysterio's retirement match against Dominic, I think we've all wanted to see Ray and Dominic go one-on-one -on -one at WrestleMania, I think it will happen, I I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. So maybe this is the lead into this, but I don't expect the users to lose the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Up next, you have Damian Priest and Sheamus. Now, Sheamus may have the most boring United States Championship brain of all time. He's only defended it twice. Once against Mansoor and once against Humberto Carrillo. The one against Humberto Carrillo, he won in two seconds after tagging him backstage before the match. And he defeated Mansoor by disqualification. Those are Sheamus' two United States Championship defenses, so it was a really nice, fresh kind of thing to see when Damian Priest defeated Sheamus on Raw to become the number one contender for the United States Championship, and I think Damian Priest has some legit potential. You know, he's had some on-and-off pushes where he wrestled against Miz and Morrison alongside Bad Freakin' Bunny uh, at WrestleMania. Then he wrestled Miz at WrestleMania Backlash, and because Miz got hurt, he was kind of put on the shelf for a little bit, but I think Damian Priest you know, needs to be a midstay in the Raw mid-card division. Like I've been saying throughout this whole freaking podcast, Raw needs help in their mid-division. They need help at the top. They need help in the women's division. They need help in the tag division. Like, Raw just needs an inject of youth, an inject of characters, and, you know, Karrion Cross hasn't been working for me, Keith Lee hasn't been working for me, Jeff Hardy has had some good matches here and there, but he needs a little bit of a bigger push, heck, you know, it's amazing to me, Cesaro can't even get on SmackDown, SmackDown is so packed with Belair and Banks and Reigns and Cena and Edge and Rollins and Finn Bauer and Sami Zayn, and yet... Cesaro can't even get on the card, and yet Raw is using Nikki Cross and Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley, you know, four or five times a night. You know, Damian Priest and Sheamus and Sheamus and Ricochet and Sheamus and Alberto Carrillo and all these rematches. It's just amazing to me what is going on right now with Raw, but hopefully Damian Priest can win the United States Championship. I think it'd be a really cool moment for him and see what he can do with the championship. Maybe, maybe bring some legitimacy back to it. And after all that... We've been through eight matches, 
And we're at 24 minutes of recording this. Yes, I know. My voice probably sounds a little boring right now. But we've been reminiscing about some good SummerSlam moments. You know, on the way, SummerSlam, besides WrestleMania, is my second favorite pay-per-view of the year. Royal Rumble's right up there, too. But SummerSlam always means it is the end of summer. It is the start of the school year. We're just going to relax and have some good times, man. And, you know, this match coming up next will only last two minutes. It's Bobby Lashley and Oldberg. I don't want to really go too in-depth with this because I really wish this was Lashley and Lesnar. It would have been a dream match. It would have made this card a lot better. Lashley and Lesnar would have been right up there at the top of the ticket with Reigns and Cena. But Lashley and Goldberg really feels overwhelming because Goldberg can't move anymore. He can't even spear somebody. I think Lashley is going to put him in the hurt walk and that's it. He's going to retain the WWE Championship and hopefully we never see Goldberg again. And with that, folks, we are getting now to the main event of the show, the Universal Champion, Roman Reigns, defending the the championship, the Universal Championship, against John Cena. Now, when they first started this feud, I thought there was no way in hell Cena was going to beat Reigns, but as the weeks go on, I actually think there's a chance that John Cena walks out with the 17th World Championship. So, when Roman Reigns denied John Cena's challenge, and Finn Balor came out and accepted it, I thought, okay, what's going on here? Are we going to get Balor versus Cena? Winner faces Reigns. Are we going to just get Reigns versus Balor? Are we going to get Cena interfering? Are we going to get a triple threat? Like, what's going on here? And then Baron Corbin, who, by the way, doesn't have any money anymore interfered and tried to sign the contract and took out Bauer, I thought we were going to get Corbin versus Bauer at SummerSlam. And by the way, we're not even getting, it looks like Big E versus Corbin at SummerSlam. So it looks like this is more just a SmackDown thing. But Cena signed the contract, obviously. We're getting Cena versus Reigns. But there's so many different directions they could go here. Will Finn Bauer cost one of either Reigns or Cena the Universe Championship? Because Finn Bauer has an issue with both. Are we just going to get Reigns defeating Cena Queen and Reigns facing Finn Bauer at Extreme Rules? Are we going to get an eventual triple threat between Reigns, Bauer, and Cena? Could Cena possibly beat Reigns? Because there really isn't, after Finn Bauer, in my opinion, another challenger for Roman Reigns to face for the Universe Championship. Unless, you know, in the draft, they bring over a Damian Priest type, or an AJ Styles type, or a Randy Orton type to Friday Night SmackDown, or a Drew McIntyre, which would be really refreshing for Drew McIntyre since he can no longer challenge for the WWE Championship. So, there are a ton of different options here. It is the current GOAT, this is what WWE is building it as, the current GOAT, Roman Reigns versus the GOAT of all time, John Cena. We've already seen these two men go one-on-one at No Mercy 2017, which I'm surprised WWE hasn't really tapped into that history that much at all. Of course, Reigns defeated John Cena, and it looked like they were going to crown Roman Reigns the new face of the company. But as John Cena pointed out last week on SmackDown, they've been trying to do that for 10 years, and it's just now finally starting to work. But... This really is a mega match. It's 50,000 people in Vegas. It is a dream match. Sit back and enjoy it. It's going to probably be over 30 minutes. It's Cena's first real TV match. You know, excluding the Firefly Funhouse match. In what, over two years? 
So, this is something that really, you know, is big time. It's big. It's the main event of SummerSlam. Cardi B, you know, up. It's going wild. It's going to get up in Vegas. 50,000 people. Cena's going to hit a bunch of AAs. Roman's going to hit a guillotine. Roman's going to hit a spear. The Usos have not interfered really at all in this feud, which I like. And I think overall, Roman Reigns is going to retain the Universe Championship. So, as a reminder... I have Belair retaining over Sasha Banks. I have Drew McIntyre defeating Jinder Mahal. I have Alexa Bliss defeating Eva Marie. I have RK Bro winning the Raw Tag Team Championships from AJ Styles and Almost. I have Edge defeating Seth Rollins. I have Charlotte Flair winning the Raw Women's Championship from Nikki A.S.H. and Rhea Ripley. I have the Usos retaining the SmackDown Tag Team Championships against the Mysterios. I have Damian Priest winning the United States Championship from Sheamus, and I have Bobby Lashley retaining the WWE Championship against Goldberg, and Roman Reigns retaining the Universal Championship against John Cena. That is a total of three title changes out of the, what, seven, I believe, what's the, Edge Rollins, Bush Marie, McIntyre Mahal are the three non-championship matches, so yes, out of these seven championship matches, I have three championships changing hands, which feels kind of low for SummerSlam, because it feels like WrestleMania and SummerSlam, almost every championship changes hands. But we saw WrestleMania this year, big championships didn't change. I think there's a philosophy in WWE now that you do not have to send the fans home happy. I think it's a good way to start the show, you know, get the crowd all all, you know, riled up and ready, and then the main event, you don't have to send people home, because you're booking for the next show, you're not necessarily sending the fans home happy, so it's going to be a wild weekend in professional wrestling, folks, enjoy SummerSlam, it was really fun, reminiscing about the great SummerSlam moments, of course, John Cena is at a ton, Roman Reigns at a ton, SummerSlam is one of my favorite pay-per-views of the year, and I can't wait to watch it this weekend, streaming live on the WWE Network on Peacock, so make sure you leave a like, leave a comment, on on Anchor, we are Brandon's World here on all your podcasting platforms, and I will see you later. Enjoy the show. Peace.